Hello, this is episode 457 of Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction, fantasy and horror podcast, recorded on Monday the 19th of September 2022 at 23.59.40. Yeah, thanks for tuning in again. First item in the pre-show section is welcome to the only C-R-R-R-R-S podcast, because after realising that my main pop culture review show and the retro revisit show are very, very similar, apart from specificity, in other words, I talk about a lot of stuff in the former show, and one particular topic in the latter show, I've decided that three distinct shows are too much. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick the tech, creative, and other stuff into the main show, as it was since the show began, though as much shorter hot takes rather than long, rambling diatribes, hopefully. And henceforth, there will only be one show. There can only be one. Primarily, then, this show will consist of, as it always has, a review of geek pop culture, or a revisit of vintage items, currently classic Doctor Who, but who knows? We may expand although you can also expect an occasional, extremely off-topic ramble, which will be far more personal, if that's even possible at this stage, because I know how uncomfortably personal this pod can get. Let's ease ourselves into this, tell you a bit about what's been going on in my life, and then get right into the geek stuff. I found out that every five years you're apparently supposed to get a checkup with your doctor. Guess how long it's been since my last checkup? It has been seven years. And you know why that is? My GP forgot I exist. <sighs> my advice is get yourself checked out. It is important. If you're general practitioner, if you're in the UK, your NHS general practitioner forgets, drop into their office and let them know that you're overdue and that you're still alive. Moving on to some actual geek content for a moment, and then veering back off into the personal, I bought myself, finally, a Hellfire Club t-shirt. You know, the Hellfire D&D Club from Stranger Things, the latest season. It has arrived, and it is wonderful. I went for a short-sleeve black version, as all the other shirts, including the ones mainly used on the show, which were those baseball-type long-sleeve shirts, white with black sleeves, they all make me look fat. Which brings me back to my previous item on health checks. I'm a wreck. 
And not only a wreck, I'm a bad sport. Do you remember Terry Thomas's school for scoundrels? Hard cheese, oh boy. You see, lately, I've been feeling rather annoyed, but also justified. Over the years, my complaining constantly, admittedly, of over-racism, lack of diversity and representation, and the constant bombardment of racist microaggressions, still very much part of the fabric of this and a lot of Western countries. I found that to be the case in both my personal and professional life. Turns out, I'm right. (laughs) We know this from BLM, the statues of slavers toppled in many countries, including this one, the UK, and increasing representation of minorities in media, in geek media, particularly important to me personally, although media in general, yeah, there is a dearth of diversity. Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, which I hate we've talked about before, The Rings of Power, which we will talk about, the upcoming live-action The Little Mermaid. It goes on. All those things show that things are changing for the better thanks to the complainers, the protesters, the activists, the people who never backed down in spite of years of oppression and simply being ignored until the many voices could be ignored no longer, thank God. I have been relishing my small victories over the racists and the gaslighters, including, unfortunately, some fellow media professionals, geeks, and podcasters. Does that make me a bad sport? I certainly hope so. I hope those people, that nasty uncurrent of so-called fandom, toxic fandom for Star Wars and so on, are skewing in their own juices because I'm gloating and loving it. (sighs) I was tweeting stuff about this. I deleted some of the tweets, not because I'm ashamed of them, but because tone is difficult on Twitter. You don't have enough room to express yourself in text, And you're not getting any voice feedback, so no one really knows what tone you're saying these things in. And it can sometimes sound aggressive, and that wasn't the case. I'm just enjoying the fact that things are getting better. Other events in the UK, the biggest of which was, of course, today, a public holiday as thousands lined up to see the procession of the royal hearse, carrying Queen Elizabeth II, who died on the 8th, from Westminster Hall to Westminster Abbey, to the family crypt at Windsor Castle. There was also a service at Windsor Castle. There were thousands of military in attendance, and (laughs) thousands and thousands of members of the public, and hundreds of dignitaries from around the world. Like many, I watched the proceedings from the comfort of my home on TV. It has been a momentous few days. I do have mixed feelings on the matter. As an English person, I was born after the Queen. My parents moved 
here to the UK as British subjects, pre-Mauritian independence. They are also younger than the Queen, incredibly. From my childhood, I remember her mostly before we had a television, from her coronation photograph at the back of a giant, battered, falling-apart Oxford English Dictionary. So she was always in our lives, visibly. And then, of course, later on television. In the picture in that large, hardback Oxford English Dictionary, which is somewhere stored in the garage, she is wearing... The Imperial State Crown, which has a huge diamond, known as the Star of Africa. Then, and this is the one that bugs me the most, I suppose, being of Indian origin, the Crown of the Queen Mothers has another big diamond, and that is the Kohinoor. It is... The very symbol of British imperialism in India, even though her reign postdated the empire, the continued possession of the diamond does not sit well with Indians and people of the Indian diaspora. Let's not even mention the Elgin marbles of the Greek Parthenon in Athens, the Benin bronzes, the Moe from Easter Island, and countless other artefacts looted by the British Empire. It also doesn't help that honours, to this day, are still named after the British Empire, hence some titles bestowed to British people originating in ex-colonies are turned down, famously the British poet Benjamin Zephaniah. I've always said that those titles should be renamed. Why don't we have Member of the Commonwealth of Nations rather than Member of the British Empire, MBE? Yes, I know there is such a thing as tradition, and traditions tend to stagnate. I understand that. But this is a new era, with a new king, Charles III on the throne, so I think it's the right time to fix things. Contrary to what most people might believe from reading this blog and listening to the podcast. I'm not a Republican. But let's stop. Living in the past, it's a new generation. As Joan Jett and the Black Hearts once sang. Moving on to our last item in the pre-show section, thank God. Happy Talk Like a Pirate Day! Somewhat forgotten in the hubbub is... The fact that today is Talk Like a Pirate Day. I'm not going to go into the origins of that. Everyone probably knows by it now, and for obvious reasons. This is a very important holiday in this podcast's calendar. So, arr, mateys, arr, let's do the rest of the show, arr, shiver me timbers, shiver. Okay, let us do the show. Finally, let's talk about some films that I've seen since last time. Oh, well, since probably more than last time, because I forgot to mention the first one, and that is Prey. This is the latest of the Predator movies, where we go back in time 
to Earth's earliest encounter with the predator species, sometime in the very Old West. In this movie, we have a young woman of Aboriginal origin, whose ambition it is to become a brave, a hunter and a warrior of her tribe, much to the chagrin of the rest of her tribe, and her brother, the next in line for chief, and his braves. During the course of this film, she proves herself in a fight against the predator. She ends up killing the creature, and at the end of the film, (laughs) there's a scene in which she smiles at her chief when she's rewarded by becoming the leader of the Braves or the Warband, which is somewhat ironic as her brother and all her fellow Braves have died. And in order to kill the alien creature, she used as bait a man whose leg she amputated. This is a strange shift in tone where this sympathetic character at the beginning of the movie becomes, by the end of the movie, some kind of unempathic psychopath. And we are supposed to cheer at that. It is a strange tonal shift, which I don't understand. And I've got to tell you, I would put the writers of movies like this on a watch list. Because it seems they just don't understand that being a cold-blooded killer is not a good thing. I enjoyed Prey for the effects, and the cast, and the action, and the fact that it was starring non-white people and the heroine was female. But that tone shift really destroyed the film for me, and I won't be watching it again. And that's Prey. The latest, but not the last, no doubt, in a long line of Predator movies stretching off into the infinite future. Next, a much better film, and that is Knives Out. This is a film that I've put off watching for years. I heard reviews of it, and I thought I'd hate it, as the reviews made it sound very hipsterish. And that's unfortunate, because that is not what this is at all. In Knives Out, Daniel Craig is the renowned Benoit Blanc, a contemporary Columbo slash Holmes slash Poirot, who is hired suspiciously anonymously to investigate the death of murder mystery writer, played by Christopher Plummer. The ingredients of any good cosy mystery are all there, a neo-Gothic mansion full of suspects, with the means, motive, and opportunity for doing the old duffer in. However, there are some strange little things that don't really detract from the movie as a whole, but were a bit off-putting. 
And one of those is the fractured continuity and rough edits, which I think are evident unless I'm going insane. For instance, we never find out why Benoit Blanc is always unshaven. Presumably that was because he was interrupted in the middle of doing something or being somewhere. Nor do we see him replaying the audio from the recorded police interview, which was obviously the reason he kept hitting a piano key, though perhaps only someone involved in audio, like, for instance, a podcaster, would know that. I, for instance, and I've talked about this before, used to vocally emit a beep like this. Beep! (laughs) And once even forgot that I had done that and left it in my podcast, but that's something I've talked about before. It's not really relevant. Anyway, that is my theory for why he is hitting that piano key during the first police interviews that we see. I'm guessing the audience just thought he was trying to rattle the suspects. Back to Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig made a good Bond, a great Bond in fact, but he plays this very different role very well. Well done, Daniel Craig. I love the character and eccentric behaviour of Benoit Blanc, and his hammy, terrible donut metaphor still makes me laugh days later. If you haven't seen this set, it really is great. I thought it would be just the kind of thing that my mother would like to watch, so she's also streamed it and likes it very much. I'm definitely looking forward to the sequel, Glass Onion, that should be out soonish. Unless it's already out. I don't think it's already out, but I'm looking forward to that. And that's my very, very short review of Knives Out. Straying slightly from science fiction, fantasy, and horror, again, to the rhythm section. This is currently available on BBC iPlayer, and it is a thriller in which Blake Lively plays a woman whose family is killed by a terrorist atrocity, so she trains as an assassin under the rough mentorship of rogue MI6 paramilitary operator Jude Law. However, she is the most incredibly incompetent killer. Not only does she almost bodge every job, she's plagued by conscience and sickened when Jude Law murders women and children. I'm pointing out this because the reluctant murderer makes the sequel promising ending totally dubious and, thank God, the film's so bad, highly unlikely. It's a forgettable, uncharacteristically nasty film for Blake Lively. And that is the rhythm section. Ah, we are now finished talking about films. Let's get on to TV. The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. This is a prequel to The Lord of the Rings with bits of the Cimmerillion thrown in. Lanny Henry plays a hobbit. Uh primitive 
hobbit called a Harfoot. He is the chief of a small tribe, though it is weird. As someone from the UK who knows Lenny Henry from childhood as a great tall man, seeing him playing someone so small, and I know they've done similar trickery in Lord of the Rings with other actors, particularly the guy who played the dwarf, oh, that was that Welsh guy, uh, the one from Sliders, whose name escapes me. But it is strange. Lenny Henry is a tall, towering man. <laughs> and he's playing a very small hobbit in this. Ah, camera trickery. He is so tall, it probably played havoc with the rest of the cast. They probably had to do something, I don't know. CGI thingy is going on. Some CGI malarkey. The love interest of this epic story is provided by the slow burn romance between an elf warden and a human woman. The Rings of Power uses much from the Lord of the Rings and the Cimmerillion, but it's not canon at all. For instance, I cannot imagine Galadriel being some sort of commando elf, but I'm enjoying it nonetheless. My mother, who enjoys fantasy, is also a fan of the show. Next, another deviation from science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Well, I suppose it could stray into the territory of horror. That is the show The Patient, in which a serial killer kidnaps a psychiatrist or a clinical psychologist. I can't remember which. I think he's a clinical psychologist. He's a therapist. He does a talking therapy. The serial killer does this because he wants some one-on-one -on -one time with his therapist. Given the rates that therapists charge, that does not surprise me. But the reason he does this <laughs> in the show, apart from my attempt at humour, is that he wants to open up to the psychologist and he believes that he can't in a clinical setting as the psychologist will have to rat him out to the cops. Domhnall Gleeson plays the killer very well, and Steve Carell plays the shrink, who actually looks quite terrified when he's kidnapped, something we rarely see when the victim is male, and when you think about it, that is totally bizarre, because if any of us males were in that situation, we would be pretty damn terrified. In fact, I would be much more terrified than the character in this, so maybe it's not entirely that realistic anyway, but that's The Patient. I've seen four episodes so far. They're very short episodes, under half an hour. Recommended. Moving back to genre, mostly with the capture. The second season of this BBC techno-thriller ended recently. I've already talked about the first season back in episode 284. In the capture, the British security apparatus, actually a covert department within the police, use high-tech 
doctored video to frame suspects. This technique is called correction. In the second season, a security minister played by Papa Kwakye Asidiu, this guy who I've mentioned before numerous times is Flavour of the Month in the UK, is deepfaked, and the whistleblower cop from season one, played by Holiday Granger, races to gather evidence against her department, because they're a bunch of rotten stinkers. The second season ends too abruptly, with the good guys winning in a not very well explained manner. In fact, it's so rushed that I suspect they may have fudged the denouement. I might have to watch the last episode again to make sure I know what exactly happens, but aside from that, my main problem with the capture is why would the bad guys even bother to deepfake video? Most governments are not averse to fitting up their enemies the old-fashioned way. This seems unnecessarily complicated and far too technological and involving too many people. It seems unlikely in the highest degree, but if they didn't have that angle, then this would not be a techno-thriller, it'd just be a plain thriller. The capture is, however, I think... Still, thrilling, topical, and well-acted. My recommendation is that you give it a try. That is it for the culture section this week. Let us move on to a quick item on technology, and then that's it. That is regarding uploading lossless WAV files to archive.org. I experimented with uploading WAVs, and tagging them with mp3 tag, which can tag WAVs. It does work, but I found it utterly useless, as archive.org didn't process the metadata. The metadata was there, it just wasn't showing in the archive.org page for my podcast. I have heard that Apple's lossless AIFF and ALAC work, and flak tags are also supported, but it also took a very long time to upload the data. 400 megabytes instead of 40 for an MP3, so I'll stick with MP3 for now, though I might consider making the original audio and show notes available on USB drives as a reward for patrons. Oh dear, yes. Which brings us on to something I'm not going to talk about, but we all know that Patreon is up the spout right now and making job cuts, and they've got this whole scandal going, so it is unlikely that I'll be updating my Patreon account. As usual, though, you can always support me on Ko-Fi. That's K-O-Fi. That is it for the show this week. I enjoyed talking to you. I have been feeling a little down lately. <laughs> What's new about that? As I said earlier, I deleted some tweets because I don't want to give the impression of being miserable anymore. Although I've just said I'm a bit miserable, which 
contradicts what I just said, but, you know, I don't want all my creative output to be so miserable. As I said, it's healthier in my case to sweep a lot of stuff under the carpet. I still want to make the show differently, not so much in format, but maybe attitude and content. Like I said, I wanted to reduce the non-topic stuff down to hot takes. I'm not sure I entirely succeeded with that this week, but you are getting a very rounded, full show of stuff that is of concern to me as a geek from the UK. I hope you enjoy that kind of thing, especially if you're not from the UK, which actually the majority of my listeners are not. Enough waffle for now, though. That is it. The show that you just hopefully enjoyed is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find out more about me or get in touch at roymatur.com. M-A-T-H-U-R. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, though, of course, as always, it is better that you review this on Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone. I personally don't, so I don't know why I keep saying that. You can also recommend it to a friend, or as I have said for years, an enemy. It works both ways. Or click on the contact or support link on the website. As I just said, you can support me with small tips. I'm not asking you to pay me a salary via Ko-Fi. That link is in the header of my website. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction, fantasy, and horror podcast on this quite momentous day that's just gone, because it's now past that day, and it's the next day. This was episode 457, recorded on Monday the 19th of September, 2022, but ending on Tuesday the 20th of September, 2022 at 004628 British Summer Time. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye! I'm just breaking in here right after the podcast to tell you, if you're hearing a sound difference tonight, I apologise for that. My audio drivers were wiped out by Windows. Thanks a bloody lot, Windows. So I was forced to use my portable recording setup, which is a Sony PCM-M10 solid-state recorder with an AT-875R mic plugged into it. It's a condenser shotgun mic, which... I'm a little afraid of, so I hope it isn't too clicky and weird sounding. I'll do my best in post, though, to make it sound better. Ah. Oh, yeah. Bye. Editing Roy here, back on the 20th. Wouldn't you know it, the drivers somehow magically appeared again in audacity a few hours later. Hmm. Also, even later, I just wanted to drop in 
again to tell you what a monumental cock-up I've made of this podcast. As I said, the first part of this podcast was recorded on the 8875R. The bit that you just heard after the podcast was recorded partly on the SM58. Many, many cock-ups. Ah, it's a complete hash.